meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to, to the, the spirit. spirit. I am I'm a, a child, child of God. God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. And God leads my well, very footsteps so that I'm always in the right place at the right time. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Well, glory to God. Well, Miss Brooke is at home, but she's joining us online tonight. She's getting ready for Brother Richard to arrive home tomorrow. Woo-hoo, Michaela. So we pray for traveling mercies for them. Mm-hmm. And Miss Bridget is in Pensacola on a training thing. How is she feeling? Do we have an update? Still sick. Still, still a little under the weather. She got to Pensacola and got some type of stomach something, We, I think. So just pray for her continued healing. And then, uh, but other than that, we're doing good. Well, uh, I want to talk Should about... we pray? Yeah, let's pray. Okay. I think that's a good direction to go. <laughs> uh, mute my mic for just a minute, please. Okay. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this, this day. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for being here with us. We know that whenever two or three are gathered in your name, you are here in our midst. Lord, we thank you for, for leading and guiding us and giving us the words that are just right for those that are here now and those that are listening online. Lord, <clears throat> we just love you and we thank you for your many blessings. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you will not interfere with the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, glory to God. So we're going we're gonna to actually start a series tonight. And uh, or the series that we're going to start on is the shepherd. We're going to start a series on the shepherd. Um, you know, Jesus is the great shepherd. And uh, we often refer to pastors as the under-shepherd. But I I think, um, you know, it's kind of come to my attention that most of the body of Christ doesn't understand the role of a shepherd. They don't understand what the part of the shepherd is or, you know, and, and, and this is in reference to Jesus as well as in reference to the pastorship of a church. And so I've been talking to the Lord about it for quite some time, and I finally just kind of got a release to talk about the shepherd as a whole. And one of the number one places that we see the shepherd, that when you talk about the shepherd, a lot of people automatically think of Psalms 23. So let's start looking at Psalms 23 first. Psalms 23, we we know this. And... uh, we're not going to really break this down and get into this tonight, but this is a good launching point, I feel like. or It's kind of stirring in my spirit. So let's start right here with Psalms 23. All right. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Come on, we can do it, right? He leadeth me he in the path, path of, of righteousness, righteousness for his name's sake. sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. 
my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, when you grow up in the denominational churches, one, one way to know that you're a good Christian is to have this memorized. You can just rattle it off. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me. Like, I mean, you got songs about it, and you can say it, and, you know, and, and uh, that's one way that you know. But most of the time, they don't have a clue what this, what this psalm is about. And uh, notice it starts off with the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord, my shepherd. See, in the Old Testament, they understood what was being said in this psalm. Really, this was a song. The most of your psalms that we read are actually songs. And so this would be a song that uh, the believers of God, the, the Israelites, would sing. And they would sing this song. I'll let Derek figure out how to put that to a song, and he'll teach it to us. Uh, you know, he's gifted in that area. But they would sing, the Lord is my shepherd. It'd be, it honestly do you good to learn some of these psalms and to sing them. And, uh, and, they, and, and, they'd, say, and uh, you know, they'd say, oh, the Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. And as they're going through their day, they're thinking about how God's going to meet their supply. You know, whatever I need, God's going to supply it. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Most of the people in the Old Testament uh, either had or was acquainted with how uh, the sheep operated. Many of them had sheep. And so they understood what it meant for the sheep to be calm and to be settled and to be able to lay down in green pastures because if they're not calm and they're not settled, they're not going to produce. And it's going to affect their, their uh, finances. The shepherd, so the shepherd is the one that leads the sheep. And Jesus, he leads us if we'll allow him. But many Christians today say, Jesus, I'm going to lead you where I want you to, where I want to go, and then you can, you can just bless me in my going. But no, if you're a sheep under the leading of a shepherd, you go where the shepherd wants to take you because the shepherd knows where the good ground is. And he said, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. How much do you know? You don't want the sheep. You, if, you, if you cared for sheep and you lived in these mountains, how much do you know you're not going to take your sheep over here to the Nanahela Gorge or the Ocoee Gorge? Yep, they fall in that. Because if they back. get into one of those, they ain't coming back. How much do you know if uh, after we've had some of these real big rains, you're not going to take them over there to Fires Creek? No. Because <laughs> you're going to lose the sheep. No, you want the sheep where the water is calm and the water is slow and it's, and it's not dangerous for them. Um, but, you know, the way we live today, we're like, Woo, the wilder the water, the better, Lord. No, <laughs> the wilder the water, uh, the faster you're going to uh, reach your eternity. He restoreth my soul. How much, you know, going through the, through the world today wears on your emotions? Your, remember what your soul is. Those are your thoughts, your feelings, and your emotions. How much you know if you, if you especially ladies, uh, men kind of do it to a point, and then they hit. I think men hit kind of a threshold, and then they just put everything in a box and go in the cave. But us ladies, we just run it over and over and over and over and over and over. And I mean, how much do you know that wears your mind out? So he said, no. He said the shepherd will help to calm your mind, will help to settle your emotions. So, you know, people that say, my emotions are out of control, 
If your emotions are out of control, it's because you're not paying attention to the shepherd. You're not paying attention to the shepherd because the shepherd, if you're under the authority of the shepherd, the shepherd will actually restore your soul. He'll calm you. He'll get you back into the position that you need to be in. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How much do you know God is not leading you into temptation? Many people will say, well, God's just testing me and tempting me. No, a good shepherd is going to lead you away from danger. A good shepherd's not going to lead you into danger. And a lot of people say, well, I've got this option and I've got this option. I don't know which option to take. Well, which option is going to lead you to direct to destruction and which option is going to lead you to the, to the direct is going to keep you under the lead of the shepherd? Um, I'm thinking if the shepherd says, I want you to go this way, that's the direction you need to go, sheep. Go the way of the shepherd. Don't go the way of the flesh. No, go the way of the shepherd. Don't go the way of your mind. Go the way of the shepherd. And in doing that, he's going to lead you in righteousness. I kind of alluded to this last week. Um, A lot of people get in a mess and they get cloudy in the direction that they need to go because they want their spirit man and they want their flesh man to get in agreement. That's not going to happen. You need to hear me very carefully. If you're trying to get your head in agreement with your spirit, it's not going to happen. Because your head is always going to follow the natural world and your spirit is always going to follow God. The only way to get your mind in an agreement, in your, your mind and your spirit in an agreement is for you to train your mind to always follow the spirit. And so that way, when your mind and your spirit come in conflict, you won't have to go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You will automatically know, well, let me think. My mind is in disagreement with my spirit, but my mind knows I always need to do what the spirit says to do. So then that means I know what to do. I know to follow the spirit. And as long as you'll do that, you'll stay out of confusion. You'll stay out of confusion. Um, You know, and there's a lot of times the Lord will ask you to do something. Your shepherd will ask you to do something that contradicts natural human reasoning. You know, because last week we talked about why has God called you. God called you because you're a least. God called you because the world sees you as foolish. God called you because the world sees you as a base. They see you as not qualified. Well, it's the very fact that you know you're not qualified that qualifies you because you know that you don't have that you're incapable without God. And therefore, you're always going to depend on God and you're always going to give God the credit. See, that goes against natural understanding. So that's a situation where you have to make the determination. You know what? I'm going on with God. You know, God, I don't know how you're going to make me qualify. I don't know how you're going to get me to do what you, I don't know how you're going to use me the way you're showing me that you're going to use me, but you said that I can do it. Therefore, I'm going to have to lay aside my head thoughts and I'm going to have to go with my spirit and I'm just going to have to trust. You know what that's called? That's called walking in faith. And that's what we're called to do is walk in faith. And so his spirit will always lead you in the path of righteousness. Your flesh will not do that. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Does it say the shepherd dragged me into the shadow of death kicking and screaming? No. No. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How much do you know we're living in a dying world? If you understand that Satan is the God of this world, and that this is a dying and cursed world until Jesus comes back and restores it, we are walking in the valley of death. But we're not alone. Our shepherd goes with us. Our shepherd is, is walking us through the storms of life. When a storm of life comes, you've got to understand you're not in the battle alone. The fourth man is in the furnace with you, so to speak. He's right there with you. You know, when you're a shepherd, you know, especially, you know, we don't, in America, you know, we have our set fields, we have our set farms, and you might have two or three fields that you move your cattle through or your flocks through, but in the Western nations, it's not that way, or the Eastern nations, I should say. In the Eastern nations, it's not that way. In the Eastern nations, it's all wide open, and they move them through the mountains. And sometimes to get them from this good grazing field to this good grazing field, they've got to kind of go through some rocky terrains, through some, through some dangerous territories. And even though they're having to take, even though the herdsmen are having to take their flocks through there, the shepherd is right there to watch over them, to protect them, to lead them on the safest path through the dangerous areas of life. Well, Jesus is the same way with us. You know, sometimes we've got to go through some things in this life, but, the, but if we'll pay attention to what our shepherd is telling us to do, then he'll lead us. Now, sometimes, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but sometimes the way that the Father leads you is through the voice of your pastor. And if you have a good pastor, your pastor has godly wisdom, godly um, understanding and 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 god is showing the pastor what you need to do to get through your valley and through your storm but if you get too comfortable with your pastor you will just go oh well that's just the pastor they know what i'm going through and they're just trying to control and run my life if that's your thinking you're missing the great shepherd you're missing the great shepherd because the great shepherd is the one that is leading and guiding your, your pastor shepherd, the under shepherd, in the direction to lead you. So you need to be very careful about that, about, you know, just blowing off your pastor. Um, and, and honestly, they, whatever advice they're giving you, they should be giving it to you out of the word of God. They should be saying, look, I can show, this is what I advise you, and let me show it to you in the word. Now, sometimes they might be in a rush and not be able to say, let me show it to you in the Word. But you can always ask your pastor, can you show me where you're advising me in the Word in that? And they'll say, oh, sure, yeah, let me pull the Scripture for you. Because, you know, they're taking care of a lot of sheep. But he says, uh, he, he says yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why does the sheep not have to fear? Because the shepherd shepherd is with them. And not only is the shepherd with them, but the shepherd has the rod. The rod is what the shepherd uses to beat back the enemy. To to kill or, 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 or run off the enemy. And so sometimes 
the shepherd has to get a little rough to deal with. And it's not that they're getting rough with you. They're getting rough with the enemy that's attacking you. You know, I love what Smith Wigglesworth had said. You know, uh, he was known for hitting people from time to time. Smith Wigglesworth was. And one time a, a gentleman asked him, it was a couple of times they asked, they said, Smith, that, you know, you, you, you kind of hold off and hit people from time to time. Why do you do that? And Smith said, I'm not hitting anybody. And the interviewer was kind of like, what do you mean? He said, no. He said, I'm hitting the devil and the people just get in the way. He said, the people just get in the way. What is that? That's the rod of the shepherd. They're just, you know, the people are in the way. He said, and thy staff, thy com- they comfort me. The rod and the staff, you know, they, you know, shepherds have some tools for dealing with the enemies. And you should know that Jesus will deal with your enemy if you'll allow him. You know, sheep are, sheep tend to be kind of skittish creatures. If anybody knows anything about, sheep. anything about sheep or been around sheep, they tend to be scared all the time. They're scared of everything mm-hmm. because, well, they're, they're prey. That's right. You know, and, and, and anything out there, they think, they think the whole world is out to get them. Yep. Everything in the world scares them. Any sound, anything different, anything, uh, anything out of the ordinary, you know, will scare them. But if they if they're shepherds with them, they tend to remain calm. Right. If they're if they're in their paddock, uh, they tend to remain calm. You know, if if they're if they're protected, that they're they're like, okay, he's he's right over there. We're okay. We we don't have to worry. They just they just put, bow their head down and start eating. We're going to teach you a few things about sheep tonight that's going to support this. It's going to but, it sa- but it says here, even though they, even if they were to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they would fear no evil. They wouldn't be skittish. Right. Because the shepherd is with them. And that's why Jesus said, that, that's why the scriptures tell us time and time again, fear not. Because the shepherd is always with you. He's always got his rod. He's always got his staff. He's always leading you. He's always guiding you. He's always protecting you. And that's why you don't have to be skittish. That's one of the reasons why the Bible tells us not to fear. To ha- don't worry. Don't have any fear. Yep. Fear not. It says over and over again. Over and over and over because again. Because as long as you've got him, you don't have anything to fear. That's right. Not even death. That's right. It says, thou preparest a table before me. Check this out. He says, talking about the shepherd, the shepherd prepares a table before the sheep in the presence of the enemy. What does that mean? That means the wolf is right there in the field with the sheep, and the shepherd is setting out the table for the sheep and says, don't even, don't even be concerned about that wolf. Don't even be concerned about that wolf. But see, the devil wants you to be consumed with his thoughts. The enemy wants you to be consumed with all of his drama. And, and, and that's why you've got to always follow your spirit. Um, Dad Hagen preached at this time one time, and I thought, man, that's so good, because he could see it in the spirit. He sh- it was a big, elaborate meal, and just, just out of the reach of the table were demons chained. They were right there. They could see the beautiful table. They could see the provisions of the blessings and prosperity and freedom from sickness and the bread of life. And I mean, it was all right there. And the people could come and sit down. The sheep could come and sit down at the table. And they could 
And, and yet the enemy was right there chained, but, it, but the enemy couldn't get to him. It's a form of torment. See, God says, you're with me. I'm the great shepherd. They can't touch you. So even though, the, even though it looks like the devil wants to eat you, he said, listen, he said, I've already put him on a chain. I've already looks, put him on a chain. Even though it looks like the de- devil can eat you. He yeah, can't. He, he can't. He can't. Uh, he said that he prepares this table right there. The enemies are right there, they're, but, they're, but they're restricted. They can only get so close. Why? Because the shepherd is protecting you. Thou anointest my head with oil, and, and my cup runneth over. We're going to talk about that more later. Uh, but the shepherds, uh, when the sheep, because the sheep would eat in the thickets, and they would travel through the thickets, and the thorns, remember Jesus was, you know, they say that Jesus, was, the crown of thorns was made out of roses. Uh-uh. The, I don't know exactly the name of the plant, but the thorns in that region of the world, uh, our, our rose bush thorns ain't got nothing on them. They're very long, they're very thick, they're very rigid, and not only do they have a point, a, 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 a point at the end of the thorn, but they've actually got barbs that go down the thorns. Um, it was a very intense, and, they, and these thorns were designed to rip and tear by Satan. That's where, that's where the thorns came from. Um, and uh, so when the, when, the, when the sheep would go grazing in these areas and they would get in these thickets, these thorns would rip and tear uh, the, the skin on the sheep's faces, and infections could set up. And so what the, what the shepherds would do to protect the sheep is they would anoint their heads with oil, and what that would do is, number one, it would make it so the thorns wouldn't hit so easily, wouldn't be able to tear so easily, and if they did get cut, it immediately applied a protective coating to the skin, and it applied an immediate... Uh, antibiotic to prevent an infection from setting in. So when he says um, he anoints your head with oil, it means that even if a blow comes, there's already protection in place. That's what being anointed with oil is. Early on in, my, in this reference, early on in my fire career, I, I, I fought fire right on the California Nevada border in Death Valley. Everything there wants to kill you. Yeah. The weather wants to kill you. During the summer, the average temperature during the day is 100 to 120 degrees. At night, it'll drop 50 to 60 degrees, and it'll feel like it's going to snow, but it's not quite that cold. You'll be shivering because of the difference in temperature. Yeah. Uh, snakes, venomous. Spiders, venomous. Was that, Scorpions, is that, venomous. Is that not also where the mosquitoes were so thick I could hear them buzzing in the tent? No. Oh, that's the other place. Oh, my gosh. No, that was... That was Montana or somewhere. That was uh, uh, Wyoming. Oh, that's, yeah, Wyoming, that was not. where it was. Anyways, oh. uh, so, so it, it's very inhospitable. But the thing I remember the most uh, was cactuses. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about cactuses, you don't really think much about them. I mean, they've got them at, at Lowe's and Home Depot. You might get a thorn in your They're finger so pretty, or whatever. They're so pretty. I want them in like, my house. It's like, oh, well. But uh, I, I wear I wear thick leather boots up to here and then up, Kevlar, up Kevlar pants uh, that are fire retardant and stuff, which are very tough. And, you know, I can, I can go through the woods around here through the briars and stuff, and I might get a scratch or two, but most of the time doesn't bother me and especially down where the boots are not at all 
But uh, those cactus thorns, they're barbed on the end, like she said. But they'll go right through an eighth-inch leather boot, hard leather, and your Kevlar pants into your leg. And all you did is brushed up against it. It's yeah. bad. You know, and that's what this oil is to protect. It's to help. It's to help when that skin gets attacked. And that's what this is about. He, that's what the anointing is. Is when 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 an attack lands. You know, over in Ephesians, it talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. When a fiery dart hits, if you're already anointed, that fiery dart. I mean, yeah, you're going to feel it, but it's not going to it's not going to take you down. Um, my cup runneth over. That's talking about the supply of God. Surely, goodness and mercy. What, whose goodness and mercy? The shepherd's goodness and mercy will follow me, the sheep, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, then how are you going to have the goodness and mercy of the shepherd follow you all the days of your life? You've got to follow the shepherd. You've got to go where the shepherd tells you to go. But before you can follow the shepherd, you've got to get under the right shepherd. And that's what we want to look at. We want to look to Jesus to find out how do we get under the right shepherd. Well, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 11 says this. Ephesians 4.11. Let us know when you get there. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Something. Ephesians 4.11. Amen. I'm there. Yep. Y'all there? They're not there yet. It'll be all right. They're not there yet. We'll give you another minute. Get there. Ephesians, you need to see it in the word for yourself. You need to know that we're being truthful. Ephesians 4.11 says this. Glory to God. I got one. Derek, you there yet? Oh, you said amen earlier. Are you there? All right. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. There we go. They're figuring it out. Y'all gotten slack on letting us know when you're there. All right. All right. Verse 11. He gives some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the I body of Christ. I said verse 11, but I okay. Know, I read 12 too. So it says, and he gave some. Who was the he giving? He giving, in order to find this out, we got to back up to verse 8. So let's back up to verse 8. Let's just read just verse 8. Okay. Okay, just eight. Just, just eight. 8. Okay. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So, who ascended, Who do we know that ascended on high? Jesus. So, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive. We know that's talking about the saints of old that died under the Old Testament. When he was in the grave, he went and preached himself to them. Those that received him, he, he took them into heaven. Uh, we know that they rose from the graves because it tells us so in the book of Matthews. Uh, when it talks about him coming out of the graves, out of the grave. But it says he, when he ascended on high, he being Jesus, he led captivity captive, and he did what? He gave gifts. Who did he give gifts to? To men or all of mankind. So then we go to verse 11, and it says, and he gave some. Now we're going to find out what the gifts are. The gifts are the apostle. But is everybody an apostle? No, he said some. He gave some apostles. In other words, he called some to be an apostle. He called some to be prophets. 
He called some to be evangelists, and he called some to be pastors and, 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 teachers. and teachers. Now, it doesn't say some teachers. Yeah, it says yeah. some pastors and teachers. I mean, both. Now, why did he say some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, but he didn't say some teachers? There's a couple of different theories in here, but for the most part, really what it points to is that the pastor-teacher office goes hand in hand. You can be a teacher without being a pastor, but if you're going to be an effective pastor, you must also be an effective teacher. Amen. Because the pastor is the one that takes care of the flocks. This word pastor is the word... Um, poimen. Poimen. P-O-I-M-A-N-E in the Greek. Poimen. And what poimen is... Poimain is used 17 times in the New Testament, and this, this is the one and only time in the New Testament that you see the word pastor. Every other time that you see the word poimain in the New Testament, it was translated as shepherd, shepherd. Or, sh- or shepherds. So we could read this verse this way, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some shepherds and teachers. Meaning that the, 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 the shepherd gift and the teacher gift go hand in hand. So now what we want to do is what exactly is a shepherd? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Go to Matthew chapter 9. And let's look. couple of things. Amen. I got he, he, I heard it. I heard it. Now, we pointed to this verse last week also. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to pick up right here in verse 36 and read to the end of 38. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. Just those three? Just those verses. Okay. Uh, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. So we could read this this way. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no pastor. But when you're talking about sheep, that sounds weird, which is why he said sheep with no shepherd. So why, so, so... Uh, he said they're, they're scattered. Well, what did we just read about the shepherd? The shepherd is supposed to lead the sheep to the safe places. The shepherd is supposed to lead the sheep to the still waters. The shepherd is supposed to keep the enemy off of the sheep. So, he's, so Jesus is looking at the massive multitude of people, and he says there's nobody to watch over these people. They're like sheep with no shepherd. And he's moved with compassion, and then he calls his disciples at the beginning of 37, and he says this to the disciples. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. So, so he's looking out. He's looking at the multitude, and he says, man, he says there are sheep everywhere. There are people that are hungry to be sheep, but there are very few, because he's only talking to the disciples. He said there's very few that are willing to be shepherds. 
to take care of the people. So let's keep reading. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Now, we understand that laborers are witnesses. We understand that he's talking about, because of what we just read, we understand that laborers include the, the apostle because the apostle's office is the office that goes out and gathers the, and pushes back the darkness and builds pens for, we could say they, that they build the pens for the sheep and all of that. They establish churches. That's what they do. Then there's the evangelists that go out and they preach and they, and they get people to receive Jesus so that they can be born again as sheep. Then you've got, you've got the prophet that helps keep all the pins in order. I kind of left them out for a minute. But then you've got to have somebody take care of the sheep and teach the sheep and train the sheep. Those are your pastors and your teachers. But beyond that, pastors, teachers, apostles, they all have to have help to run their ministries. So they have to have ushers. And ushers don't just take up money and catch people. Ushers actually, the ushers actually help to keep the church secure. They're part of the church's security force. They're part of the church. They actually are, they actually help to, I, I, you could call them the farm hands of the church. They help to care for the sheep. They help to make sure that the sheep are getting to where the sheep need to be and they're helping to wrangle them in and they're doing things like this. Uh, you have administrators that run the farms, so to speak. I'm not saying we're a farm. I'm just showing you you've got, you've got other areas that need to be taken care of. How much do you know you've got to have somebody in there with the little baby sheep, the lambs? And, and, and the lambs are at different stages, and they've got to be taken care of at different stages. You know, so there's lots of jobs within the body of Christ. But his, his biggest concern right here. The biggest concern is he said these are these are separate. He said he said let me get the right wording. He said he had compassion on them because they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He's distinctly concerned about them not having a pastor. Now, let me ask you one question. Why do you suppose that that uh, that Christians in the Bible are, are or Followers of God in the Bible are constantly referred to as sheep. Let's ask, Pastor, why? why? I don't know why. Okay. okay. Explain this well, let, to us. So let's start with this then. Derek, what, what's, what's the number one tool in, in, in Satan's tool belt? That's a good one. Keep us alone. Keep us secluded. Keep us separated. Sheep, sheep that get separated, they're, they're, they're at the will of, of, the, of, of the wolves. Right, but what's another thing? What, what's another oh, weapon? Oh, I know, I know. You know? The number one tactic of the enemy? Yes. Or the number one thing he wants to do? The number one thing he wants to do is he wants tool. to eat you. No. Oh, the number one tool, number lies. One tool. Lies, okay. Okay, but why do, why, why do people lie? Why do people lie? Because they are they're afraid. afraid. Satan's number one tool is fear. Most right. people wouldn't, won't lie if they're not afraid. That's right. They're afraid of, of consequences. They're afraid of something. That's why they lie. That's right. Satan's number one tool is fear. Fear. Why do you suppose that in, in Psalms 23 it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because, right. and, and that's why he uses sheep. Because if you, if you look outside at people, they're afraid. 
That's why they're in fear. That's why they're that's why they're that's why that's why they're that they rebel. That's why they lie. That's why they cheat. That's why they're doing all the things they do is because they're in fear. And, and the reason they drink and drug and all the crazy stuff they do is because they're trying to silence that fear. And sheep without a shepherd are fearful. That's right. They, they're afraid of every little sound. They, will, they won't even eat half the time because they're so scared that something's going to come get them. Yep. But if that shepherd's there, they'll just go they right get back fat to and happy. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll do just what they're supposed to do. Yep. But that's the way Christians are supposed to be. They're supposed to be like the sheep that have a shepherd, that they yep. fear no evil. Yep. So we learned some. So now we're going to go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. What happens in John chapter 9? This is where Jesus heals the man that was blind from birth. And he heals them. And then the Pharisees are all like, who healed you? Heal who healed you? And then they, they, they questioned the man. And then they didn't believe the man, so he said, you don't believe me, call my parents. So he called, they call in the parents, and the parents said, it's just like my son told you, and if you don't believe us, call him back in. They call him back in, and they asked him, they said, uh, who healed you? And, and they're like, he's like, this man, you know, the man, you know, how did you get your eyesight? He said, the man that healed me. And they said, we know the man that healed you to be a sinner. And this, and, and this man is smart. He said, I love what he said to him." He, he said, why are you questioning me again? I've already told you. My parents have already told you. I've told you this. Why ask me again? And they, in verse 28, he says, then they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses. He said, why are you asking me? He said, why are you asking me again? Do you want to be his disciple? He said, no, no, no. We don't want to be his disciple. We're Moses' disciple because we know where he came from. So the man gets really smart, and he answered in verse 30, and he said this. He said that because they said, Jesus, earlier in the chapter, because I'm just giving you a summary to save time, earlier in the chapter, they said, well, we know Jesus is a sinner, basically. And the man answered and said unto them, why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence it is, whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. So they said, this man, he said, this man did a marvelous thing, and how is it that you don't know what he did? Or how and he did it. How he did it or where he came from. And the man said this, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him will he heareth. So he told them, because in the Old Testament they believed that God did not hear sinners. And there is a truth to that. You know, God will hear the sinner's cry for salvation. And God will bless the sinner as far as he can to draw him to repentance. But a lot of people's prayers go unanswered because they're sick in sin and God can. God's not paying any attention to them because they don't qualify for God's intervention. Do you hear me? They don't qualify for God's intervention because they're breaking his law and he follows law. See, people have a mindset that the Father God can do anything he wants to, and he can just run ramshot over the devil and, and just, just, oh, just bulldoze the devil anytime he wants to. That's not true. Because God is a God of law and order, and God obeys spiritual law. If God is going to break spiritual law, then he's no different than Satan. 
So God has to obey spiritual law. If you want the blessings of God, if you want the protection of God, if you want the, uh, if you want the benefits of God, then you're going to have to do life God's way. Because God will not break the law to come get you. There's a Christian song out that's real popular called Reckless Love. And though it is true, God will go to the extremes to get your attention. He will not go so far as to, he will not go so far as to break spiritual law to get your attention. Because if he breaks spiritual law, then God himself is a criminal. And God cannot be a criminal. So there are certain prayers that sinners pray that God is blessed. Even though he wants to do everything he can for them, he is bound by spiritual law to let the curse take place because you opened the door to the curse. Because you opened the door. And so, uh, and so that's really what this man that Jesus opened his eyes that this healed man is, was saying is he said, how is it that a man is a sinner is able to do only what God can do? Can't. Can't. Now, let's balance that out because I don't want anybody to be deceived. Not every miraculous work that takes place is of God. Because, and you need to understand this, the one that brings sickness and disease is Satan. And Satan can remove sickness and disease any time that he wants to. And we live in a day and we live in an hour. Don't forget what Jesus said. That in the end, right there at the end, right before the church gets called away, there would be many false Jesuses to the point that, if e- that even God's elect, even God's High ministers would would be deceived if it was possible. So just because what appears to be demons casting out, what appears to be divine healings taking place, you need to always check it with your spirit and make sure that what you're seeing is of God. I'll give you this example. If you have a minister that is preaching hate, separation, rebellion, and, and rising up against governments and things like this, and they're casting out demons and having miraculous healings taking place, that doesn't agree with God. God is love. If a minister is preaching hate and rebellion, that's not God. That's not God. Do you understand how to discern this? You have to discern everything according to the word. Okay, you have to measure everything by the word because because the scriptures tell us that Satan can uh, appear as an angel of light. And just because something's happening doesn't always mean that it's God. I watched a minister. He was going down the line and the lady came up because she couldn't sleep. And he said, he looked at her, he said, he, he kind of tore her down in the ministry line. What do you mean you can't sleep? Why can't you sleep? You're a Christian. You're supposed to be able to sleep. And he popped her and he said, now sleep. And she fell back in what appeared to be slain in the spirit. And immediately my spirit said, that's not my spirit. 
immediately my spirit grabbed it. So he went through and he ministered to a few other people. And everybody was like, oh, ah, yes, prophet. And then one of his ushers came over and said, there's people in the audience that are concerned because of what happened to this woman. And he said, oh, oh, you're concerned. And he went over. God is love. He went over. He kicked her in the foot several times and said, dear woman, dear woman, you're in church. Why are you sleeping? Degrading her in front of the congregation. Is that love? No, that's not love. That is demonic manifestation in the church. You understand this? So that's why he said, this man loved me and he healed me. Again, we have to keep things in balance. So, after this man stood up for him, Jesus shows up to him later. And he asked him, he said, do you believe, in verse 35, if you have a red letter, you'll see it right there at the bottom. It says, do thou believe on the Son of God? And the blind man said, who is the Son of God that I might believe? And Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with you. He basically said, yep, you've seen him, and he's even talking to you. What did the man say? And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Look at that. He fell down and he worshipped him. He wasn't worshipping Jesus the man. He was worshipping Jesus the Lord, the Son of God. And there is a difference. All right, let's keep going. All right. And Jesus said, for judgment, I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. So... This sounds like a very contradictory statement. Jesus said, I come for judgment. Now, some people will read that and say, see, Jesus came to judge the world right then. No, Jesus came. The reason that Jesus came is, notice the rest of the sentence. He said, I, he said for judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see. He's coming to give those that have not received salvation a chance to receive the true light of God. That's why Jesus is in the world. Is so that, you know, before you came into Christ, don't you know you were blinded to heaven and hell? Or, and you were blinded to who God really was? He said, I've come to show, basically what he was saying, is I've come to show the love of God and the compassion of God so that you have a chance to make eternity. Then, he said, and they that, they which see might be made blind. Because there's a, how much do you know? There's a lot of religious people in the world that say, oh, I know God, and they don't know God at all. See, they believe they can see, but really what they need to do is they need to be blinded to their religion and made to see the true light of Christ. And so really what he was saying when he said, I have come for judgment, he said, I've come to prepare you for the day of the judgment seat. He's come to get us into a position where we get to go, where we, he's come so that we can get in position and we can make the choice to either uh, make heaven or make hell our eternity. That's why Jesus has come. When Jesus came at this point in time, he wasn't there to judge whether people were worthy of heaven or hell or not. The judgment seat has not happened yet. He's come to give people a chance to decide their seat. And that's what he's talking about here. And so, so he's beginning to teach 
How do you get on the right track? All right, let's keep going. And some of the Pharisees, which were with him, heard these words and said unto him, are we blind also? So these are the Pharisees. So there was a few Pharisees hanging around. Now remember, the Pharisees were the teachers of the law. These were the ones that supposedly saw and understood God. And they and they and so they're full of pride. And they're like, "Are you saying we, the teachers, are actually blind to God?" Well, apparently they were because they didn't recognize the Messiah. And Jesus said unto them, "If ye were blind, ye would have no sin." And if you didn't know, you'd be innocent. That's right. But now we say, now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. You know, they see, the Pharisees were very well known to have sin. If they were blind to the things of the world, basically he was saying, if you're blind to the things of the world, you wouldn't have sin. But you claim to see the truth of God, but yet your sin remains. If you see the truth of God, you will get rid of sin. Let me be very clear. If you understand that sin separates you from God and sin, willing sin in your life will send you to hell and you see that, you will eradicate sin from your life. Amen. You will. Let me say it again. If you understand, or let me say it this way. Once you truly get light revelation that your sin separates you from God, you will say, that sin ain't worth it. Once you get that revelation that that sin is going to send you into the pits of hell for all of eternity, you're going to go, you know what? I really enjoy that sin, but I'd rather go without it for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years than spend the next 8,000 years in the pits of hell with Satan. Like, it's a no-brainer at that point. And that's what he was talking about. Now, that's the end of the chapter there. But, but remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. And, and, and as you can see, if you have a red-letter edition, Jesus goes on talking. That's right. So... It continues on after that. It says, verily, verily. Now, remember, when you hear verily, verily, any time you see, see something repeated in the Greek, it, it, it adds strength, it adds stability, it adds strictness, and, it is, and, and verily, verily is the same thing as amen, amen. And he's saying, I am telling you an infallible truth, and you need to pay attention. This is very important. So Jesus is going to tell us some very important things about the shepherd. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And in, in, back in the Bible times, the, the, a sheepfold was a pen, a rock wall, it was, and, it, and it usually went out in the town, close to the town square, and they, and they would put all the, everybody's sheep in one pen, mm -hmm. and it would keep them safe in there. 
But now, the 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 shepherd knew his sheep. Before, he, let me let me let me pause real quick before we get here because this this is important that you understand this when he starts talking to you about sheep. I said the word translated pastor is poimen. The definition for poimen is a herdsman, especially a shepherd. Uh, and in the parable, so in the parable, this the shepherd is one, uh, he to whose care and control others have committed themselves. So in this parable, the sheep have committed themselves to be cared for and controlled by the shepherd and whose precepts they will follow. Whatever the shepherd tells the sheep to do, that's what the sheep are going to do. Why? Because they have committed themselves to their shepherd. It is also this word, uh, poimen, means a presiding officer, a manager, a director of any assembly. So when a shepherd goes and collects his sheep, he has an assembly of sheep that he manage, he or she manages. That's what a shepherd is. So now he'll explain the so sheepfold. So when the, when the shepherds the... would bring their, their sheep to town, they would put them in this big pen that was probably the size of this whole building and the parking lot together. And there'd be one entranceway, and that's where the, the porter would stay. And, he was the, and there was a door there that would keep the sheep from getting out or keep other animals from getting in. And then around the, the rock wall, which yeah. is about waist high, there'd be thorns, real heavy thorns like the cactuses we talked about that would keep out predators and stuff so that they didn't really have to worry about predators while in the, in, in the sheepfold. This is a, so give you that picture, this is a very large, solid rock wall with no gaps in it that stood about waist high, and then it was coated at the top with these thick thorns that we'd already discussed. Uh, so it was a very safe pen, but all of the shepherds with all of their sheep would come to the sheepfold. Yep, and they'd all put their sheep in here. Now, when the shepherd would come back, he knew his sheep so well that he knew he, he could look at them until they were his sheep. And they were all, and they but all had individual names. Now, the porter names. doesn't know that. The porter doesn't know whose sheep they are. They're just a bunch of sheep in a pen. But he knew that he, the shepherds back then would name every one of their sheep, and they would call them by name, and they would recognize the they would recognize the voice of their of their shepherd or their pastor, and they would come to them, yep. and they would follow him wherever he led he led them. Yep. So, East, Eastern shepherds train their sheep like we train our dogs. They do. They train their sheep. Every individual sheep knows their name. And every individual sheep knows their shepherd. And the sheep are so committed to their shepherd that when a diff... So what happens if, like, let's say Michael's a shepherd and I'm a shepherd. And Mike... But we have two different sheep, sheep groups. Or, yeah, sheep flocks. Michael has a bob in his lot and I have a bob in my lot. Michael goes to the porter and says, hey, I'm getting my sheep. Bob, get over here. My Bob will not listen to him, and his Bob will not listen to me. This is how committed the sheep are to their shepherds. Because, because they knew that their shepherds meant safety. To them, he was their God, their, their, their one and only. They, they, if, 
if he was with them, they had no fear of anything. Wolves could come, lions could come, bears would come, and they, he would beat them off. He would, he would lay down his life to save those sheep. And they knew it. And the sheep knew it. And the, the thing is, though, how, you know, we're supposed to be like those sheep, right? We're supposed to know the voice of our shepherd. Now, <laughs> let's, let's look at this. Let's pick this apart just a little bit. And we're going to pick this apart just a little bit. So Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. Remember Pastor Mike when he was explaining the, what is the sheepfold? The sheepfold is the area within the brick wall with the thorns. That is the sheepfold. There's only one entrance into the sheepfold. There's only one entrance. And the sheep would be in there overnight. Yep. So, so the guy at the door, he can't really see the back of the pen. So if somebody's sneaking over the wall in the middle of the night, they're not the shepherds. Right. He said, he, and so Jesus said this, if anybody enters into the door uh, or enters by, he said, he that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Is a thief and a robber. So if somebody goes in to the sheepfold to collect a sheep, uh, how much you know, uh, if he's having to go in some other way other than through the porter, uh, he's, he's, he's doing it illegally. He's doing it wrongly. Now, here's the interesting thing about the porter. The porter, though he doesn't know the individual sheep, the porter knows the individual shepherds. And unless you have a, unless that porter knows you, that porter is not going to let you in to those sheep because he understands that those sheep are your livelihood. And if he lets somebody in to get your sheep that aren't yours, or that aren't theirs, and they take, you know, the wrong sheep, then that porter is going to lose his livelihood. So the porters, though they didn't know the individual sheep, they did know the individual shepherds. Okay? So, keep that in mind. All right, so, and anybody that's trying to get in illegally is a thief or a robber, obviously. Right. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Okay. Now, backing back up to the thief. Another word for thief, or, or, or the definition for this thief, is an embezzler. He's, so if you sneak in, and you're trying to get somebody else's sheep, you're embezzling sheep that are not yours. Interesting. You're embezzling sheep that are not yours. Now, we don't think about embezzling sheep as a big deal, but back in their day, they understood this was a big financial situation. That you, Jesus was talking their language. Another way that you could say, instead of saying uh, uh, an embezzler or a thief, is to say a pilferer. Pilferer. You know, this is somebody that's trying to get gain that's not their gain to have. Um. This is, uh, this is a name. Check this out. The name is transferred to false teachers. Check this out. So we could say it this way. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, is a false teacher. 
false teacher. And it says, who do not care to instruct men, but abuse their confidence for their own gain. He's not looking, that, that false teacher's not looking to care for those sheep. He's looking to get false gain. He's looking to abuse the people to get gain for himself. Does this happen in the church? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. He's looking to rob them. That word robber literally means robber. But he that entereth in the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Somebody that's upright, somebody that's going to come to the door of the porter, they're the rightful shepherds. Oh, but who is the porter? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. To him, the porter openeth. The porter is the Father God. The, the Father God's the one that says, yep, I've called you to be a pastor. Yep, your sheep are in this field. Come on in and, and, and get your sheep. Anybody that stands in the pulpit that was not placed in the pulpit by God is a thief and a robber. And I need you to think about that. Unless you have, and I'm not being mean and I'm not being ugly, but unless you have been anointed, appointed, and called by God to pastor a church, get out of the pulpit. Because if you are there without God putting you there, you are a prime target for the enemy because you are a false teacher in Satan's camp. And, and it's a very dangerous place to be. Pastor Michael and I were talking about this earlier, and we said, or we were talking to Derek, we were at, we were at dinner, and I kind of shocked myself when I said it. Because, you know, he's been going through some storms right now, but he also knows that he's called into ministry, and he's at that point where he knows he's supposed to be stepping into ministry. And I told him, I said, Derek, right now it feels like you're having a lot of setbacks, but if you don't learn how to deal with setbacks without them disrupting your faith and getting you off target, you know, he hit a, he hit, uh, can, can I share what I asked you? He hit a hard bump this past week because he starts to make ground and he loses ground. He starts to make ground, he loses ground. He starts to make ground, he loses ground. And, I, and, and, and then uh, something came up and he got to the point where he couldn't get up. He couldn't get out of the bed. He couldn't do it. And he didn't tell us for several hours. He did not tell us. And I asked him, I said, Derek, what are you going to do, lay there and die? Because, see, that's what the devil wants you to do. I said, right now the devil's trying to prevent you from coming in to what God's called you to. But you've got to learn to go through these storms because when you actually step into ministry, it goes from the devil's trying to prevent you from stepping in to now the devil is trying to kill you. He's trying to kill you. This is why many ministers die prematurely. Or take you out anyways. He's trying to, he's trying, he's, once you, once you say, once you answer the call for fivefold, you go from, he's just trying to stop you from entering to, well, you entered, now I have to kill you. Or take you out of the ministry. Right. I have to destroy you some way. I said, come on, you got to get this. But see, that's why you don't go in through that sheepfold. You don't go through that gate unless the porter, the Father God, has called you there because it's dangerous ground. Now, he said, to him, the porter is open, and the sheep hear his voice. This is why we tell everybody that comes through our door, yes, Pastor Michael and I would love to grow this church. 
Yes, we would love to see every seat filled. Yes, we would love to have the children's ministry rock in, the youth ministry rock in, you know, the doors filled. We'd love to do multiple services a week and, 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 and just, just get it done. But if we're not called to be your pastor, we're going to do you more harm than good. And this is why many sheep are church hurt is because they're sitting under pastors that were never called to be their pastor in the first place. If I go in to the sheepfold and I take all of my sheep, including my Bob, and I take his Bob with me, I am going to destroy his Bob because I am not that Bob's pastor. So this is why we tell every person when they come through our doors, we would love for this to be your, your, your home. But our prayer is that God leads you and guides you to the church and to the pastor that God has for you. We want you under the pastor. We want you under the shepherd that God has placed you under. Now, truth be told, some people have left and never come back that Pastor Mike and I both knew they were, they were supposed to be here. But they chose a different shepherd. I said, Lord, show them. We've had people be in this church that, we've, that they said, we think we belong over there in that, under that shepherd's care. I mean, they'll tell us, like, we heard God say, this is where we belong, but we're going to go over there. No ill will to them. Father, bless them. Father, keep them safe. Keep them secure when they're, while they're in the wrong field. But, Father, put it upon their heart to come back to underneath the shepherd they're supposed to be under. Why? Because I don't want no harm coming to them. I don't want no harm coming to them. But he said, to him, the porter openeth the Father God. And the sheep hear his voice. Now, this is twofold. I always say this about reading the scriptures. You have to, when you're reading the scriptures, you have to ask, are they talking naturally? Are they talking spiritually? Or are they talking both? This chapter right here, this parable that Jesus is giving, he's talking both naturally and spiritually. He's talking about a natural pastor. And he's talking about, or a natural, an under-shepherd and a shepherd. He's talking about Jesus is the shepherd, and the, and the pastor under Jesus is the shepherd. So he's talking about both. In either situation, to him, the porter, the porter is always the Father God. Now we're going to see as we read through that here he's talking, and it says, and the sheep hear his voice. What voice do we as sheep in general need to always know? The voice of the Father. We need to know the voice of the Father better than we know the voice of our pastor. But a lot of times, the Lord will use the voice of your pastor to teach you and train you how to hear the Father's voice. I remember when we were under Pastor Tommy, I'd be dealing with something and I would hear Pastor Tommy's voice on the inside of me telling me what to do. And I go, oh, pastor would tell me this. It wasn't my pastor. It was the Lord using a voice that I was comfortable with and I trusted to train me. When I came, when Pastor Randy, when, I mean, when Brother Randy became our spiritual father, to this day, there's times I'll hear the voice of the Lord, but I'll be struggling with a situation. And instead, uh, I'll hear Brother Randy, you know, and, and Michael might say or Mom might say, well, you know, I know you're really struggling this situation. Do you need to call Brother Randy? And I'll look at him and I'll, with total frustration, no, I don't need to call Brother Randy because he's going to tell me to pray. I can already hear his voice. 
It's not his voice I'm hearing. It's the Lord's. But the Lord's using his voice to help teach me to know the great shepherd's voice. See, as sheep, we should never question. As sheep, we should never, ever question. Well, I don't know if that's God or Satan. Did you hear me? As sheep, we should never say, well, I don't know if that's God talking or Satan talking. That's true. Yes, Satan can appear as an angel of light, but there's a but you have a spirit on the inside that will lead you. Do not override that inside voice. That inside voice. There's been plenty of times that I started to think a certain, along a certain line, and there was a scratch in my spirit, and I went, I don't need to be thinking that way. Don't ignore that scratch. That's the spirit saying, that's not me. If you, can, if you are sitting here tonight or you're online tonight and you say, oh, I just don't know that I know the voice of God, then you need to get in the word. If you say, well, I don't have time to get in the word, well, then you need to clear your schedule. And you need to get some time in, you need to set up some time where you can get in the word and you can learn how the Father speaks. You can learn who the Father is because the word is, because God is the word made flesh. So the more words you get in you, the easier it will be to hear the Father's voice. Now we know that, that Jesus is the great shepherd. Yes. And we know that, that in here it says that, that the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name. You know that he knows every one of your names. That's right. The Bible says that he even knows every, the number of hairs on your head. He knows you from, the, from before you were in the, in the womb. He knows you and he has plans for you. He knows you. But how do we know him? How do we know his voice? That's right. How do we know his voice? We know his voice because we get in the word. We spend time with him. We, we are around him constantly, and he is around us. The Bible says as we draw near, him, near to him, he will draw near to us. As we abide we, in him, he abides this, in this, us. This is a lifelong relationship. You know, when, it, it's amazing to me that, that it's always been amazing to me that, God, that, that the Bible says that, 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 that you can do all the right things and you can get to heaven. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. How is that? How did he not know me? Well, he doesn't he say you me, could... He knew me from my mother's womb. He knew, he knew me. He, he knew me. He knows every hair on my head. How can he not know me? Well, let me, let me address one thing. It's not that you can do everything right. The Bible says they, the, they came to him. They said, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We laid hands on the sick in your name and saw him healed. Lord, Lord, we preached in your name. See, they were this doing true. works. It's not, it's not everything. They were but, doing but, but works. I, what and I getting, meant was they think they did everything. Right. They're, they're doing works. Therefore, they think they know God. But Jesus said, if you believe you can cast out devils in my name, you'll be able to cast out devils in my name. He said, if you ask me to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and you're born again, I'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Listen to me, church. Just because you can speak in tongues does not mean you're heaven bound. Just because you can lay hands on somebody and pray for them and see them get healed doesn't mean you are heaven bound. It's about your relationship with him. It's a, if you have active sin in your life, but yet God's using you, it's not a guarantee. No, there's qualifiers. 
And you've got to meet the, once you receive salvation, there's qualifiers to maintain that salvation. And that's the scary thing for you to go through life casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, and, and preaching Christ, and then you get before the, and, and then you die, and instead of going up, you go down, and you're there down until judgment day, and you're thinking, I can go to the, just, just wait for me to get before the judge, and I'll tell him I did this, 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 and I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to say, Lord, I did all these things, and you're going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're going to go, but how can that be? And he'll go, were you committing adultery? Did you not see in my word that the adulterer doesn't make heaven? Were you committing fornication? Were you, create, were, were you, uh, were you uh, operating in idolatry? Were you taking part in witchcraft? You know, those, that list, that long list? Were you a worker of iniquity at the same time that you were being a worker of my word? Because if you're, work, if you're a worker of iniquity, you don't know me. But an earmark of a sheep is a sheep knows his shepherd. Thank you for completing my point. Sorry. So to, you can repeat it. it. Well, in verse 3 it says, To him the porter openeth, and the, and the sheep hear his voice. Okay, so they hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name. So he calls us by our names. But if we don't recognize that voice... In verse 4 it says, when he, when, and, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. If we don't know the voice of our Lord, if we don't recognize the voice of our Lord, we're not going to follow him. And if we don't follow him, when we get to heaven, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because we didn't develop that relationship with him. We didn't he didn't become a part of our lives, a part of who we are. We have to become, he has to become a, it, the Bible says that as we draw closer to him, he'll draw closer to us. It, we become one. And then people will see Jesus when they look at us. They will hear his voice when we speak. That's the way we're to be. But if we don't make the effort, if we don't draw closer to him, we'll never know that. Notice in verse 5 it says, well, first of all, in verse 3, it says, um, he calleth his sheep by name and leadeth them out. Notice the shepherd does the leading. A lot of people get into error because they hear his voice, but then they lead the shepherd. My Truman is this shepherd, is the sheep. Truman is my, is my little problem sheep. Little dog. He's my little dog and my little chihuahua. And he's got a mind, he is one of those sheep. He's got a mind of his own. He's one of those sheep that says, I want my shepherd. I want my shepherd. When you're in the sheep pen, when, when you're in the sheepfold with him, he will drive you bananas. He's at your side, leaping, leaping, leaping. Pick me up, mama. Pick me up, daddy. Pick me up. Pick me up. Pick me up. I want to see the world. I want to see over the wall because he's little. I want to see over the wall. Our sheepfold looks like Fort Knox. In order for him to get out of the house, the first room he's got to get into is the mud room. And the reason for that is is because we have the mudroom set up so that we go in the mudroom, we close the door, and we examine the floor to make sure that he's not in the mudroom. And then once we're sure that he's not in the mudroom, that's when we can get on the front porch. But the front porch is locked down. you got a gate at this end that stays locked, and you got a gate right there that stays locked. 
99% of the time. And, and when you go out the door and you get on the porch, you scan the porch and make sure he didn't slip past you somehow through the mudroom. And then you go out the gate, but we don't just go down the stairs off the front gate. No, we go out the side gate that's right there into the big yard. And then when we're confident that he's not in the big yard, then we go out into the unfenced area, into the big world. Through yet another gate. And why is it set up like this? Because Because if the gate is open, Truman is... Because Truman will lead the shepherd. The Truman will lead the caregiver. Truman will take off. And you're going on a long hike. You're going on a long hike. Because Truman, who is six pounds, and he's black with a little bit of a brown undercover. How much do you know in these woods? That's not a good combination with the ground cover we got around here. And he'll take off. And how much do you know dogs have fantastic sight? So he'll get gone to where you can't see him. Nope. But he can see you. So you go in that general direction. And you, get, and, you, and you get to where you can catch a glance of him. And he goes, good shepherd, you're following me. And he takes off again. And before you know it, you're five miles from home. as long as home. you're there, he's got no fear in the world. None. But, None. But if you sit down and stop following him, that's when he starts going, wait a second. Where did I go? <laughs> oh, wait, my shepherd's not following me. But you know what's scary for us is we don't know confidently that he'll come back. Because we can't, or something won't get him in the meantime, because we can't see him. But your Father God can see you always. Always. But see, Truman is like so many of the sheep today. So many of the sheep today say, I can take off and my shepherd will be there. Come on, God, let's go. (laughs) But true shepherds, true, true sheep, actual sheep don't behave this way. Actual sheep say, that's my shepherd, and where my shepherd tells me to go, that's where I'm going to go, because that's where safety is. That's where safety is. And uh, I just want to show this to you, verse 5. He said, we'll end here, and a stranger will they not follow. But flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now, I can say this for Truman. He's taking us on some adventures. And, and some people will come around. And I'm telling you what, if they pop out of the bushes or something, he's like, bah, 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 bah. I mean, like, he's losing his mind. Like, you are not a stranger. You're not coming near me. And he's calling, huh? <laughs> or, or they are a stranger. Right, that's what I'm saying. He's going, he's saying to the people, you're a stranger. Get away from me. I'm not following you. Yeah, yeah he's saying, stranger, stranger danger. Where's my shepherd? Where's my shepherd? There's a stranger here. Yep. The other, That's day, him. the other day he saw a stranger on the TV. It was a penguin. Oh, my and gosh. And he went ballistic. Ballistic. <laughs> it was so bad we couldn't turn our TV on for three days. <laughs> I have a video of it. It was crazy. But how much you know, A true sheep that understands the protection of a shepherd, man, they're not going to lose. They won't leave their shepherd. They will not leave their shepherd. Even when their shepherd offends them, even when their shepherd corrects them, even when the shepherd gets on to them and says, you hard-headed shepherd, you hard-headed sheep, you're acting like a goat right now. That, shep- that sheep will still stay. But, you know, when, when, when God corrects us, that's when he's showing us the most that he loves us. 
Yeah. That's when he leaves the 99 to go get the one. It's when he goes after us and brings us back into the fold, brings us back in in where we're supposed to be. He goes after us. He, He hunts us down and he goes after us. It's because he loves us. When he corrects us, he's, he's doing it because he loves us and he doesn't want to see us get hurt. Glory to God. Well, we are out of time. Yeah, we're kind of over time. But, uh, well, so you're going to have to come back next Wednesday because we've got to get into 10 more. So you've got to come back next Wednesday. Uh, I don't know how many weeks we're going to be on this, but we're going to be on this for a little while. Derek, if you'll come also. Uh, Derek's going to usher by faith that he's healed and whole and well and able to move and, mo- and mobile. And uh, we're thankful for that. And, uh, you know, he's making those faith steps. And uh, glory to God. You got it. You can do it. He asked us at dinner. He said, can I go back to Usher? And I said, honey, we've been waiting on you. You know, Michael said, yeah. And uh, so, you know, faith is an action. How much you know faith is an action? Amen. Faith is an action. It's hard to believe it's 2024 already. I remember when, I, when it was a challenge to go from right 1999 to 2000. Y'all remember that? That was a challenge Some for a long do. time. <laughs> I know we're already you know, we're already a chunk of the way in, and it's like, come on. Yes, a few of them weren't born then, honey. <laughs> some of them, some of. Them. Yeah. Anyways, bless the offering. All right, <laughs> Lord, we uh, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for being our shepherd and for and for knowing our names. Lord, help us to draw closer to you and to and to hear your voice and to know it. Lord, help us to always see the truth and see your truth and see your word, Lord. Help us to stand firm in that word and to not run from you, Lord, but to run to you. Lord, to always follow you everywhere you lead. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. And we thank you for for your son who died for us and, and, and who is our great shepherd. Lord, we just... We love you and we thank you. We want to thank see you, your will done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom. We give with a generous heart because we are safe in your presence, Lord. And we, and we have no need of fear and no need of worry. We know that you will provide for us all, all of our days, Lord. You will give us the ability to do work and you will, and you will keep us healthy and you, will, and you will help us all the days of our lives, Lord. We thank you for that. And we, so we give generously and we give with a grateful heart, Lord. We just love you. <sighs> Satan, thank we you, bind Lord. you with the, na- uh, with the name of Jesus. We bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come. You cannot steal. You cannot destroy. You cannot take our health and you cannot take our finances. You cannot stand between us and our God. We will not listen to your lies. We will not run in fear we will stand in victory we thank you lord in jesus name mari come up here a minute while he was praying i just heard i just heard the lord say pray over mari glory to god let's just step down here and pray over him season of change just raise your hands and receive from the lord father i just heard you i just i just heard you say pray over him now, Father, we know that this layoff is a work of Satan. But, Father, it's not a surprise to you. It's honestly not even a surprise to Mari because I know you warned him ahead of time and he knew about it. And so, Father, we just put Satan in remembrance. Satan, you stole his job. So now you owe him a sevenfold return. And, Father, we just thank you in advance for a better job, 
a higher paying job with higher and better benefits. And Father, I know the mind will say, well, there ain't nothing like that around here. But Father, you're the creator. And you said, if we'll ask, if you don't have it, you'll make it. So Father, we ask you for a better job with higher pay, higher benefits that actually helps people. And Father, we thank you that you're leading Mari by your spirit, not by the mind, not by the thoughts of the mind, but by the spirit. And Father, we ask that you lead him and you guide him and you're directing. And Father, if you have to create that job, Father, we thank you that it's already been created and it's already come to pass. And Father, we thank you for that special anointing upon him in Jesus' mighty name. Now, angels, we command you according to the word, go and minister unto this heir of salvation, prosperity and blessings and increase according to the riches of God in Christ Jesus. And Father, we thank you that it's done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now, Mari, you start confessing. I have the job that God has created for me. Amen. That it's not it's not coming. You already have it. You already have it. You wanna? You'll let me see the bowl. <laughs> Father, we just thank you that the bless that the that the tithes and the offerings are blessed. That they bring a greater increase than anybody could imagine. Father, we thank you that this house's finances are blessed beyond measure to the point that it boggles the human mind. And, Father, every person that sows in-house and online, that their increase is multiplied. Father, just multiplied beyond multiplied beyond multiplied. Father, we thank you that each and every person is being made a blessing to be a blessing. And, Father, we thank you for the increase in Jesus' mighty name as we go to the other side that you've called us to go to. Amen and amen. amen. You both can serve the people. Glory to God. If you don't have a seed to sow, ask, just say, Father, I, th- 